parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and thank you so much for being here. I hope that you have had a wonderful start to 2023. And if you haven't had the chance yet, definitely go back and listen to last week's episode because I talk about how we can create the kind of energy we want for the new year and how we can use that new fresh energy of a new year to propel us forward without necessarily the stress or the all or nothing thinking that can be created through New Year's resolutions. So definitely go back and check that out if you haven't listened yet. One of the most powerful things that we can do to shift our energy and to show up in a way that feels good, that feels aligned, is to shift our mindset. To literally shift how we see our hardest moments as parents, how we see our kids, how we see ourselves. So for example, this past weekend, my 22-month-old was playing with another little girl around her age. And, you know, my toddler hasn't really been around a lot of kids her age. She's around her brothers and she's around adults, but she's not really around a lot of other toddlers yet. And so she was playing with this other little girl and they were having so much fun. And the next thing I know, the little girl starts crying and I look over and my toddler has this poor child by the cheeks. Like she's just holding onto her cheeks and this child is crying and I am momentarily horrified. You know, I look over and my toddler is just like hurting this other child. And for a moment, old stories started to take over. I started to think, oh my gosh, my kid's a bully. I'm raising a bad kid. Where did I fail that she doesn't know that that's not okay? Oh my gosh, like other kids aren't going to want to play with her. I need to discipline her in a way that this mother knows that I am not just letting her hurt another child. All of that started to come up because I'm human and because that's how we were raised. Kids should behave, and when kids don't behave the way adults think they should, that something's wrong with the parent or the child. But because I have been able to shift my mindset and the way I see my kids and myself in these hard moments, I was able to take a deep breath to remember this is normal. This is developmentally normal behavior. And how should I expect her to know how to be with other kids her age when she hasn't had that experience? If I could have done anything differently, maybe I would have been closer to her so that I could have helped her navigate whatever it was that came up that led to that interaction. But I'm not a bad mom and she's not a bad kid. She is a normal, healthy toddler. With my first child, I can tell you I would have handled that moment differently. I wouldn't have been able to regain my footing and shift my mindset back to a place where I could see the good kid through the struggle. I would have parented out of embarrassment, which is never something we want to do. But I would have been reactive. I would have been frustrated, if nothing else, to show the other parent that like, oh my gosh, I've got this and I will not let my kid hurt your kid. But since then, I have actively shifted the way I see parenting, the way I see myself, the way I see my child. And parenting feels so much better as a result. I feel so much less pressure 
because I know that these things are normal and developmentally appropriate. I feel so much less despair. Like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? I feel so much less confusion about what it is that I need to do in these hard moments. And I want that for you too. And toward that end, I have created an amazing free resource for you. It's called Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way that Feels Good. You need this guide. It is your first step to shifting the way you see these tough moments so that you can show up in a way that feels good for you and your child. Because I would argue parenting out of embarrassment, on the back foot, questioning ourselves and our kids, that doesn't feel good. What feels good is standing in our power as parents and knowing this is all normal. This is all workable. I've got a good kid who was having a tough time. I'm a good parent who maybe should have been closer to her kid, but but who's allowed to make mistakes. And I am a good parent even when I make mistakes. And this guide will help you get to that place. So you can grab your copy totally free at raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset. So in today's episode, I am going to give you three ways to simplify your parenting, things you can literally stop doing today that will help you simplify your parenting, that will help you feel less stressed and overwhelmed and help you feel more grounded and rooted in a sense of confidence, like I've got this. Because I think sometimes as parents, we work harder than we need to. And this is based on old, unhelpful ideas, based on how we were raised or from society, ideas that we think are truth until we question them and say, wait a minute, is that actually true? Does that jive with what the research says? So I am here to tell you, these are three things to stop doing today to feel lighter and more aligned in your parenting journey. Now, these are things you've probably heard me say before, but I felt like it was important to do an actual episode on them. I've actually done this episode on several other podcasts now, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever actually explicitly sat down and done this episode on my own podcast, but I think it's a really important thing that when we're feeling overwhelmed, are there some things we can let go? Because there are so many parenting interventions that tell you, okay, do this, add this, take this thing on, make sure you fit this in. So today I'm not telling you that. Today I'm telling you, stop doing these things. Let them go. Completely let them go. Don't think about them again and move forward. Okay, so here's the first thing. The first thing that you can completely let go of that you can stop doing literally today in your parenting journey to feel lighter is to stop fixing your child's feelings. Somewhere along the way, We got the idea that it was our job as parents to keep our kids happy. And if they get unhappy, that it's our job to get them back to happy as quickly as possible. I think this comes from a deeply rooted discomfort in our society with feelings. For a really long time now, our society has been deeply uncomfortable with feelings other than happy. There are slogans like good vibes only. We tend to be really uncomfortable around other people's expressions of anger or sadness. We tend to not be very comfortable ourselves expressing those feelings, which makes a ton of sense considering that most of us were raised being told, don't cry, get up and brush it off. You're okay. Oh, don't worry about that. That's fine. That's not a big deal. As children, when we expressed anger, we were usually punished. We were sent to time out or told to stop acting like that because, you know, kids express anger in really primal and messy ways. 
kids are born with a really underdeveloped brain. And so when children feel mad, it is really tricky, nearly impossible for them to express that mad feeling in any way other than how it just flies out of their body through hits, through screams, through kicks, through throwing things. And so we expressed our mad feelings in those same primal and messy ways because we were children. But our parents didn't know that that was normal behavior. They didn't know that it didn't mean they had a bad kid, that it didn't mean that they were bad parents. And so we were punished. We were told, don't act like that. We were raised from the very beginning to move away from our feelings. And so here we are trying to parent our kids. And unless we actively choose something different, our knee-jerk reaction is going to be to try to keep our kids happy, to try to get them back to feeling happy. We are likely to be uncomfortable with our kids' expressions of what can feel like really big feelings, which is really just normal feelings that our kids are experiencing without society's filter on them yet. But we can experience these feelings as really big and intense because they're coming out of our kids in these primal ways, which is really uncomfortable for us as parents. And so we feel pulled to fix these feelings. We feel pulled to make it okay when our child comes to us and says, I'm scared of the dark. We want to say, oh, no, 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 no. There's no monsters under your bed. It's okay. Your room is safe and you have nothing to worry about. But what's actually more helpful is sitting with your child in that worry and saying, oh, I get it. You're really scared right now. I remember feeling like that as a kid. It's okay to feel scared. And even when you feel scared, you're still safe in your room. But I get it. I get that you feel really worried right now. It's okay to feel that way. That's what's more helpful. You don't have to fix the feeling. You don't have to make it go away. When your child is mad because you set a limit, you don't have to make that mad go away. You have to see your child and hold space for that mad feeling in your safe presence while, of course, keeping your child safe, right? You're not going to let your child just go around and hit, throw things, etc. You're going to kindly and calmly and confidently contain that. I'm not going to let you hit, but it's okay that you're mad. I really get it. Cookies are so good. And I said, you can't have another one right now. That must be really hard. I hear you. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to tell your child, I know you want another cookie, but it's almost dinner time and here's why you can't have one. Here's all the reasons that it makes so much sense that I set that limit. The only person who needs to be convinced of that limit is you. You need to feel confident about setting that limit. But your child doesn't need convinced. Your child doesn't need to stop feeling mad. Your child just needs you to hold space for whatever it is that they're feeling. Okay, so same thing applies when your child comes home from school and says, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. My five-year-old said this recently because the kid that he was playing with regularly played with somebody else at recess. And I think at five, he's still learning how to go and say, hey, can I join you and navigate those dynamics of multiple people playing together? And of course, the teacher's perception of him having quote unquote, no friends looks a little different than his perception. But in that moment, The day he came home and his buddy had played with someone else at recess, that feeling of I have no friends was very real for him. And if I had tried to fix it, oh, but you have so many friends. Oh, everybody likes you. The teacher says that you play with lots of different kids. I would be completely invalidating his feeling. And here's the thing. When we try to fix our kids' feelings, we actually work 
so much harder than we need to. We don't need to fix their feelings. And that actually is very freeing. Whatever your child is bringing to you, however complex, however painful, you don't have to come up with a solution. And I actually, as a parent, find that to be such a refreshing thing to hear. It's actually not what our kids need. And it's actually so much easier just to hold space, to validate, oh, I get it. You really feel like you have no friends. It must be so hard not having your friend to play with who you're used to playing with. I get that to empathize. I can only imagine that feels really tricky. I think I would feel that way too if I was in your position. To let our kids know that their emotions are safe, that they're not going to take them over or last forever. And we do that by accepting the feeling, by accepting it fully, by not trying to transform it into something else, by not trying to talk our child out of that feeling or convince them why they should feel something different by just allowing, welcoming that feeling, whatever it is in that moment, and trusting that it's not permanent. And again, that can go against our own wiring in our brains. And so that can be really tough. But once you recognize that that is your job and what your child needs from you, it's easier and easier to lean in. And as I talked about in last week's episode, The more we do something different, the more we create new neural pathways, and it will get easier for you to sit with these what feel like intense emotions the more you do it. So you don't have to fix your child's feelings. Make a point today to stop doing that. Anytime you catch yourself trying to fix, transform, talk your child out of a feeling, take a step back. And ask yourself, how can I just let this feeling be? And sometimes it means you just sit quietly with your child and say, I'm here. I know this is hard. You don't need the perfect fancy words. You don't need a script. You just need an energy that says, I've got you. This too shall pass. And I'm here with you until it does. That's it. That's all you need to do. And you can let go of trying to have the perfect words, trying to have the perfect solution to get your child back to happy. That's never been your job. It's not your job now. And you can let it go. Just let it go. Be free of that particular burden. So the second thing to stop doing today for lighter, more aligned parenting is to stop entertaining your child. Just like with fixing feelings, entertaining our kids has never been our job. But I think most of us come into parenting with this unspoken idea that It is our job to keep our child entertained, just like it's our job to keep our child happy. But none of that is true. And thinking that it is makes you work so much harder than you need to as a parent. If you haven't yet listened to my episode on independent play and how to encourage it, definitely go back and listen to that episode because I think there's a lot in there that will be really helpful to you. But here's the thing. It's not your job to entertain your child. It's not your job to entertain your baby. It's not your job to entertain your toddler. It's not your job to entertain anyone unless you are literally an entertainer, in which case it's literally your job. But as a parent, it's not your job to be cruise ship director and come up with a steady flow of activities. That's just never been your job. And it's not what your child needs. Here's what you need to remember. Boredom is a feeling just like any other feeling. And we don't need to fix it or make it stop any more than we do any other feeling. Now, I would argue that it is our job 
to create an environment that is safe and conducive to a child exploring safely. And I talk a lot about that in the episode on independent play because it is our job to keep our kids safe. And in order for kids to actually entertain themselves, they have to feel safe. And that means creating an environment that's free of hazards, maybe using a baby gate if you have a baby or a toddler to keep them safely contained. It means being available if your child falls and gets hurt, if your child just needs to check in with you, it's very normal for kids of all ages to need to check in with their parents. And of course, as they grow, they need to check in with us a little less frequently and maybe in different ways than when they're like a baby or a toddler. But feeling safe means that our kids can reach us, can call out for us, and we can come and check in with them. So there are things we need to do in order to make the environment conducive to our children entertaining themselves through play. And remember, play is the work of childhood. It really, really is more than any extracurricular, more than any academic pursuit. Play is literally your child's job. And in order for our kids to tap into their creativity and really and fully engage in play, our kids need to be bored sometimes. Our kids need to feel that feeling of, I don't know what to do next because that's when creativity strikes. Our kids need the ability to play alone. That is a need, whether you have an only child or whether you have multiple children. Our kids need to be able to play independently sometimes. Independent play is where the real magic of play happens because your child is playing completely immersed in their own fantasy world with no outside influences. And that's magic for your child integrating new schemas, for your child practicing what they're learning in social situations. And that's why even if you have multiple children, it is so important to still nurture independent play in each of them so that they can sometimes immerse themselves fully in their own fantasy world. I hear from parents all the time how they feel like they can't get anything done because they are constantly trying to entertain their child. But here's the thing. If you cultivate independent play and you stop entertaining your child, which is the first step to cultivating independent play, you will create the space to do the things you need to around the house. You will not be tethered to the floor with your child. So stop entertaining your child. Make a pact with yourself that you're going to stop doing that today. It's not your job. It's never been your job. It's not what your child needs. And you will both be happier and more fulfilled if you stop doing it. So that's the second thing that you can stop doing today to feel lighter in your parenthood journey is to stop entertaining your child. And then here's the third thing that you can stop doing today. And that is chasing perfection as a parent. Here's the thing, and you've heard me say this a gazillion times on this podcast, and I will say it a gazillion more because it's that important, but there's no such thing as perfect parenting. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. You can listen to this podcast. You can read parenting books, but it doesn't matter. You will still make mistakes because you are human. You will never get to the point where you just don't make mistakes anymore. Now, I know it might sound naive, but I actually thought as a first-time parent that there was something I could do. I didn't know what, but I thought there was something I could do where I could get to the point where I would never lose it with my kids again, where I would never make a mistake, where I would always just parent the way I wanted to. But that's a fantasy. And here's the thing. 
even if you could magically defy human nature and never make a mistake again to become this sort of robot parent who always gets it right, you would actually be doing your child a disservice. Seriously, okay? Your child needs you to show up as you are, warts and all. Your child needs to see you love and accept yourself through your mistakes. Your child needs to see you model self-compassion in the face of your mistakes. Your child needs to feel you model healthy repair. What does that look like? What does that feel like to be engaged in that, to be on the receiving end of that? Your child needs that from you. Your child needs to see you attempt to regulate your own big emotions. You will not do that perfectly. Your child needs to see you try and fail and maybe land somewhere in the middle. Your child needs this from you. Healthy human relationships have conflict. And trying to show up in a way that avoids conflict, A, is a product of your upbringing because most of us were socialized to believe that any conflict is inherently bad. And B, is actually getting in the way of you showing up the way your child needs you to, which is as a human being with flaws. Your child cannot learn to be a human who makes mistakes, who has flaws, who doesn't always get it right, unless your child sees you model that with grace. And here's the other thing too. When we chase perfection as parents, and then we inevitably mess up because again, we're human and we're going to, we can get stuck in cycles of shame and blame. I'm a bad parent. If I were a better parent, I would never. I can't believe I just, right? All of those thoughts. And we can also get stuck in cycles of blame. My child is so difficult. If my child would just listen, this wouldn't happen. And we cannot parent effectively from a place of shame or blame. And in fact, both shame and blame make us more likely to mess up again with our kids, to lose it again. They make it really, really hard to see the good kid through the struggle, to see the good parent through the struggle. And when we are stuck in that cycle of lose it, then feel shame, then lose it again, or not handle things well, not meet our kids' needs, and then feel blame toward our child, and then we struggle even more to see the good kid having a hard time, we perpetuate the kinds of patterns that don't feel good in our parenting. We make things harder than they need to be. So next time you mess up, let it go. Forgive yourself. Lean into repair. I have a whole episode on repair. I think it's episode like four, one of my very early episodes. So definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't yet, but lean into repair and then know that you've done enough. You've done great. You are a good enough parent and good enough is good enough. It's not like, okay, good enough is good enough for most people, but I've got to be up at this higher level. No, no, no. Good enough. Donald Winnicott said that the good enough mother was what we are all looking for. And I would extend that to say the good enough parent. That is actually what our kids need. The attachment research confirms this. You don't need to be better than good enough. Good enough is good enough. So stop chasing perfection. Stop today. When you catch yourself in perfectionistic thought patterns, stop those thoughts and say to yourself, There's no such thing as perfect parenting. Yep, I messed up. Okay, what do I need to do to make this right? And how can I move forward? The better you get at moving on after your mistakes, 
the more connected you are going to feel with your child and the easier those really hard moments are going to be. Take it from me. I have been there chasing perfection and I have stopped and it feels so much better. So those are the three things to stop doing today for a lighter, more aligned parenting experience. To recap, the three things to let go of are fixing your child's feelings, entertaining your child, and chasing perfection. Make it your goal to leave those things behind in 2023. So that wraps up today's episode. I hope this was helpful. This is an episode that you can come back to and re-listen to anytime you feel like you just need this reminder because these things are cornerstones to parenting in a way that feels good. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.